Well, amen. Aren't you glad he does see the rainbow when we see only clouds? That's really good. What a tremendous message in that song. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to do our uh, vision night tonight. And again, it's uh, always an opportunity to uh, reflect as well as to look forward to. And you guys can go ahead and bring that up. I think I text you. Yeah. And hopefully you found you got the text. And Oh, look at that. Wow. Oh, boy. Well, that's looking good already, isn't it? Okay, looks better than mine. Mine are in black and white, by the way. I try to keep things simple around here. <laughs> okay, so anyway, we're going to go ahead and get started with Vision Night, and Vision Night's a little bit different. Normally, you know, we'll say turn to a passage, and then we'll start from there, and we'll move along, but we'll get to the passage here in a little bit, and we'll discuss it. I'll share some things about a passage, which will ultimately lead us into our theme for the year, and so as, by way of getting started, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll start our vision night. And uh, hopefully by the time we get done, everybody will say, well, I got a little bit of an idea of where we've been and where we're going, and that's really what the goal is of vision night. And uh, so let's go ahead and have that word of prayer. Father, we come to you. We want to thank you again for an opportunity to gather together and to just reflect on what you've done as well as what we believe you can and will do for us in the future we are very aware that <clears throat> in and of ourselves we can accomplish nothing eternal. We really can't do anything worthwhile. Lord, it has to be you. So, Lord, we commit the ministry to you. We commit this year to you, our future to you. We ask that you would do with us what you'd please. If you would prefer we go another direction, if you'd prefer we do something different, by all means, Lord, you are welcome to change that and 
We just want to be obedient, and we want to truly allow you to have preeminence in this place and in our lives as well. Now, guide us tonight, and may we be encouraged as we look forward to what you have in store and as we, Father, just realize that what we can imagine is not even, cannot even come close to what can be uh, with you. you. You just can do far greater things than we could even imagine. May we, Father, look to you to do great things. And we'll be thankful for what you do accomplish. In Christ's name, amen. All right, vision night. <clears throat> so we're going to take a few moments and consider the year in review. And um, first of all, salvation-wise, we had a number of salvations this year, and we're very pleased with that. We had 181 folks come to Christ, and uh, we had 98 of those at the door. Now, yesterday when Brother Brad was talking about 10 on average, I think he was talking about the last nine months. So we had to throw that first three months in uh, to his dismay. But nonetheless, uh, we, we ended up averaging quite well, I thought, at the door. But then also as a church, we saw the combined numbers of 181 souls saved. And again, we know that as a, a church that our goal ought to be to reach people with the gospel. Now, there's no doubt that we are very pleased and happy and thankful for what God has done, but we certainly look forward to what he's going to do this year and trust that even as we were already kick-started yesterday in our door-to-door soul winning with two souls, we look forward to what God's going to do this year and even more than last year. We're looking forward to that. And then, of course, we had our baptisms this year. We were a little low on baptisms, I felt, obviously, based on the number of people that came to Christ. That's low. Anytime you have folks being saved at the door, you're going to see that that's lower uh, in that regard. But still, even with the number of souls that were saved in the church, we have to do a better job of getting them into the baptismal waters. Why? Because baptism, obviously, is a step of obedience. And so we want them to take that proper step. We need to do a better job, I believe, of educating people and trying to, and, and also uh, reaching out to people that have trusted Christ, not just reaching out and saying, hey, we want to get baptized, but being a little bit more aggressive in the sense of saying, now listen, we understand what baptism is. Let's go ahead and learn a little bit about it, and let's see, don't we want to move forward in that, that realm? And again, I believe that as people uh, really get a real good grasp of what it's about and why it is and what, what God's purpose of it is, uh, w- purpose in it is, I, I think we might be able to see more folks get baptized and, and follow in believers' baptism. So we hope to see that go up. Again, we had 15 adults, 10 teens, and 9 children, 34 total. And then, of course, there was a number of memorable events this year. A lot of good things happened. Our men's conference was just turned out very, very well. We had a number of uh, positive responses to that. Our speakers did great, and uh, just the, the men that attended were just uh, very encouraged by it. We had our spring revival with Brother Moon, of course, and that, that turned out very well, and it always does. And uh, that's a, that was a blessing, too. kind of got us really kick-started into that uh, you know, uh, late spring, early summer. I think it just kind of gave us the shot in the arm that we needed to keep moving forward in what we had already started. And then our couples retreat. We had our couples retreat this year. That was in April, actually, and um, that turned out well. We had a number of couples that went to that, and I believe it it was helpful. Uh, It was helpful to me. I did a lot of preparation and study, so it helped me in that regard. But then, like I say, I trust and hope that the teaching was helpful, and I do believe it was based on some of the responses I've received. Then there was uh, the uh, pass out. Boy, what a wonderful thing it was. We went out in that one, two-hour period. We went out with 10,000 flyers, and in just a couple of hours, 10,000 doors had been uh, blanketed in our area with uh, those flyers, and uh, that was a blessing. We reached our goal, and I think that's important. Brother Brad was saying yesterday, he said, well, maybe this year we can hit 15,000. 
Well, I don't see why we couldn't at some point. And so I think we always try to do just a little bit more with what we have. And again, as we start to grow and as we, as well, we have been growing, as we start seeing growth in our ministry, in our church, there's no reason why those numbers can't climb anyway because there's more hands being able to be put to the work. And then, of course, our Vacation Bible School. That's always a highlight of the year. We always look forward to that. And that turned out well as also. And uh, it's an amazing thing. We really spend very little money on our Vacation Bible School when it's all said and done. We do have penny drives and some things like that during the course of the, the uh, uh, week. But when you offset it with uh, the, the, that that comes in along with what we budget, we spent, I think, like 750 bucks this year for VBS. And let me tell you something, it has a tremendous return. We see souls saved and we see just children being encouraged. We see teenagers being blessed. And then not only that, but the workers that get involved in it. It's always an encouragement to each and every one of us as well. Not only that, but <clears throat> this last year we had our King James Bible Conference. And that, that was, I thought, was a huge success. I thought it turned out very well. We had a number of people from a lot of different churches and then from the area that came in to be a part of one of the other nights. And uh, I thought that was excellent. Uh, Brother Hugh did a good job, a very good job of explaining things, and that was a blessing. Then we had our open house, and uh, the open house, of course, uh, um, I thought went extremely well also. We did have a little bit of an unusual weather pattern that came through, and yet we, we weathered the weather, and it turned out just fine, and the Lord blessed it in spite of the devil's attempts to totally and completely wreck it. Then our ladies advance. I've gotten a number of responses again from the ladies advance, from ladies that went to the advance, and, and I've, I've, I've heard that it turned out extremely well. These are highlights on our calendar. These are things that happened last year that really had a tendency and, and helped to bring cohesiveness to our church, also to build it, to just expose our church to the community, and so many other things that it does as well. Builds us as a body uh, in, inside the walls, but also gives us opportunity to go out and make an impact as well. Missions conference, again, we had a great missions conference, I thought, and uh, it just, the blessing, obviously, of seeing the increase in giving to missions is great. We have a few uh, things that we want to try to do with missions a little bit this year uh, that I may be coming to you about and uh, asking for a little bit of uh, uh, help with, and, and uh, we, we just are so thrilled with how God blessed, uh, not only financially, but just with the, the the spirit of it and the, the desire that folk have to reach the world, that you have to reach the world with the gospel. And so we're going to see if we can't uh, uh, put into place some things that will really be helpful, not only abroad, but even locally, that can help to reach people. I, I'm very convinced, and, and I don't want to get off topic, um, but I'm very convinced that America is quickly becoming a mission field. And uh, I, I do believe that we're going to have to lay some foundational um, we're going to have to lay some foundation in America because we're moving away from what used to be a, a, a nation of foundation. I mean, everybody understood and knew about the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody knew the, the story of a babe in a manger and so forth. They, they, they were at least cognitive of the fact that God created the heaven and the earth. Uh, but, but that's not the case anymore. And so we're going to see, I believe, in the near, the coming decade that a rapid departure, as we've already seen it departing now very quickly, but a very rapid departure away from those foundational truths. And America is going to be as much a mission field as any field around the world, I think. Um, <clears throat> the cantata, I thought, went very, very well. 
I was like, so pleased with the way the choir, uh, how the choir uh, sang and just how they, they did. And, and just, I believe the Lord was honored that morning uh, through the cantata and just everything that was done that day. What a great service we had on the 23rd and just a blessing it was. So a number of great things that took place this past year as we reflect, as we go back and give some consideration to 2018. Well, what about our theme, though? We start thinking about our theme. Uh-oh. Now, now, I do want to warn you, okay? I'm just going to tell you now. I have to do it every time. When I do these, I do them on my computer, and then when they go up there, something crazy happens. That was actually my picture. No, I'm teasing. It wasn't. But it, I'm teasing. I, I'm te- it wasn't. No, I'm, I'm joking. It wasn't. But, but that was all on one line. What about our theme? So it would have looked a little better. But anyway, I, I know some, a couple of, like, Faith is in here, and she does all of our lay, a lot of our layout now. And she'll be looking at that going, what in the world's a preacher thinking? But anyway, uh, anyway, what about our theme? I know that's what you're thinking, too. What about our theme? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 tonight. That's where we're going to focus on. And um, we're going to look at that and give some consideration to that passage. And I believe that we're going to unearth our theme out of that particular passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> All right, we're going to take just a moment and we'll... You know what I didn't do? It just hit me. I did not set my slides to the a 10, what's that, a something 10-9 ratio, or what's that called? I have, it's set at 4-3 right now. I just know that's kind of the, that's going to burn me up because you're going to miss the bottom of my slides. 4-3 to three ratio is what it's set at right now because that's the default, and that should have been a, 10 to 9 or something like that or whatever it is. All right, well, anyway, we'll get through it. We will live, okay? I'll not look very good doing this, but we'll at least get through it. All right, so let's go ahead and read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. When you hear the theme, you're going to say, boy, the pastor's not starting off very well. Anyway, moving on. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I'm going to note three things from the passage tonight. Real basic. We have the Apostle Paul, of course, here. And he's writing to the church at Corinth. And we laid out a little bit about the the context of Corinth this morning. We're not rehash all of that. But as we mentioned, it was a very decadent and very uh, wicked culture and society. And here he is now addressing these Corinthians, the church at Corinth. And he makes some statements in that passage that we're going to look at just a little bit. But just three simple things. First of all, I want you to note the apostle's plea. I want you to note the apostle's plea. He says, would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me. Now, Paul was not one to like um, 
he wasn't one to um, elevate himself, to, to glorify himself or to magnify himself. As a matter of fact, Paul was one that really he, was to, he tried to deflect that. That wasn't something that he wanted in his life. Uh, and, and we see that he was constantly and continually uh, saying, now listen, don't, don't try to elevate yourself. Don't try to commend yourself. Don't seek to congratulate yourself. But what we're going to find is as we close out this letter after chapter 11, that's exactly what he does in a sense. He's going to go on now and he's going to begin speaking about himself. He's going to focus a little bit on himself. Look at you would in chapter 11, verse 22, just uh, uh, over there in, in, in first, uh, 2 Corinthians 11. Notice what, he, what it says here and, and how Paul now is going to be addressing some things. We're going to hear a lot about Paul to the end of the book now. And we're going to realize in just a few moments why that is. But notice what he says in chapter 11, verse 22. He goes on, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In death oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. At night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of water, in perils of robbers. He goes on and on and on and on and on and on. Besides those things, verse 28, those th- besides those things that are without, that which becometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. We're going to see that this is something that Paul's going to do a little bit now. Where before, no, Paul would have been the first one to say, listen, don't elevate yourself. Don't magnify yourself. Don't try to put yourself out front. But that's exactly what he's going to do now. And it's kind of interesting. And, and the sad truth is that Paul, along with his character, are being attacked now. There are Judaizers and others there, other factions that are trying to undermine the very confidence that the Corinthian people had in the Apostle Paul. He had spent years trying to reach out to people in Asia Minor. And now there were those that were trying to undermine his authority, undermine his character, and put a blight onto the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul ultimately then has to step up to the plate and say, now listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I realize that this doesn't make a lot of sense. I know this is out of character for me, but I got to defend myself for the gospel's sake. I'm just going to have to do that. And what we're going to find is that the Apostle Paul is going to answer a fool according to his folly. The Bible says answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So the Apostle Paul's going to have to come back now and make some statements and try to help, them, help the people of God understand who and what's going on in his life and why it's happening the way it is. And he's even going to somewhat appear to elevate himself, to lift himself up. Why? Because, again, for the gospel's sake. He has to. His testimony is important, and uh, he's being attacked and his authority being undermined here. Number two, we're going to note the apostle's passion. He makes the statement here in the passage. He says, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. Again, he is jealous over them with godly jealousy. There's a difference there. Um, the Apostle Paul is not truly desiring to, to be elevated in that sense. He's, 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 um, he's doing things for the right reason. He's, 
He doesn't want people to follow him. He doesn't want people to come after him for any other reason than for the cause of Christ. And he's not a selfish man. This Apostle Paul was the kind of man that we all ought to be in that regard. We know that Christ is our greatest example. But I think the Apostle Paul does a pretty good job also. And so here in this case, he says, I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Again, no desire of Paul is of a selfish nature. He doesn't just want people to follow, people to do, just because he says so for his own sake. He has invested in these people unselfishly. He has invested endlessly in their lives. And he did it for one reason. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's why he's doing everything he's doing. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now that's, that's a pretty powerful statement and we'll look at that a little more closely later. But they had already made their decision to, to, be, to be part of Christ's body. They've already received and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And now Paul, their guide their leader, their instructor, he's going to go ahead and help them to navigate through this Christian life that they're now part part of. He wants them to navigate safely. He wants them to navigate successfully in this Christian life. And his great desire for them is threefold. He wants to put a fire in their hearts and he wants to fill their minds. He wants to fortify their wills. That's what he wants to do. And why not? I mean, the Apostle Paul was very familiar, unfortunately, with opposition. And he was familiar with the leader of all opposition, Satan himself. And, you know, Satan was seeking to seduce the people in Corinth. And Paul was not happy about that. He was jealous over them with godly jealousy, the Bible says. And again, he says and goes on to say, For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And that word espoused as used here is a word which means to fit or to join. And again, the idea is that believers are to be joined to Christ, fitted together with Christ. We are, in a sense, engaged to the Lord Jesus, but we're to be fitted together. That's important. How do you fit with Christ today? That's indeed what God would want you to be, fitted with Him. And These Corinthians were in danger of being seduced. And so, so Paul constantly and continually reminds them to keep themselves chaste. Now, chaste comes from a word meaning immaculate. It means immaculate. It means free from all faults. It means pure and holy. See, that was Paul's great desire for them. That when the Lord Jesus Christ returned, that he would find his bride pure, clean, and pristine. That's what he wanted for them. He didn't want them scathed by the world. He wanted them to be unscathed by the world. He didn't want the corruption to have attached itself to them in their lives. No, he wanted them to be free from corruption. So when Christ returned, the church of the living God would be pure and would be a chaste virgin unto Christ. That was Paul's great desire. But we also note another thing. We note the apostle's problem. And I use the word problem, of course, because it's a P. I kept trying to find another word that would work better, but it'll be okay. It'll, it'll, it'll suffice. Paul's going to mention his fear now here. He goes on to say, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. 
Again, he's afraid. He's concerned that they're going to be beguiled. He's concerned they're going to be misled into error or led into. Again, Paul understood Satan's tactics. Paul had been in battle and warfare with Satan for years. Paul knew exactly what he was up against. And he knew who was behind these Judaizers and their attempts to undermine grace by emphasizing works. Boy, I'll tell you what, it was a battle that was taking place. Satan himself would go to any length to harm these believers. And he will go to any length to harm you and I. He truly will. He wants to beguile us. And he wants to corrupt us. Paul was concerned that Satan would attack the Corinthians the way he attacked Eve. And we're going to take just a moment and consider Eve for a minute, but Eve was attacked threefold. First of all, Satan began with a doubt. Then he followed it up with a denial, and he ended with a delusion. Now again, the only real weapon that Eve had, and I know she did not have a book like I hold in my hand, but all that she had as a weapon was literally the Word of God. And by the way, that was all she needed. She didn't need anything but the Word of God. The problem was she wasn't skillful in the use of the Word of God. She wasn't, she wasn't at, at depth of it. She, didn't, she hadn't got a good grasp of it. Obviously, she misunderstood it to some degree, or at least we're going to see she ultimately misquoted it. When we compare Genesis 2, 16 through 17, and turn there, would you please? Well, yeah, go ahead and turn there. We'll, we'll look at it that way. It's a little easier to see in your Bibles. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. And then also, uh, when you get there, look at chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Now, we're going to read both these passages, and, and then we're going to kind of compare them just for a moment. We're not going to spend a lot of time, but we just want to touch on them. <clears throat> Notice what it says in Genesis 2, verse 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now I want to focus on the phrase, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to see Eve, she's going to quote some passage now. And what we're going to see is that in comparing these two passages, that Eve abandoned the pure word of God for a free-flowing paraphrase. Now, don't think for a minute that every word of God is not pure. Don't ever think for a moment that we can just put God's words, it's just the, the idea, the sense that matters. No, it's not. It's the words. The words matter. And in this particular case, she's going to abandon the pure word of God for a free-flowing paraphrase. Notice what it says in Genesis 3, 2. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Now remember earlier, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Notice what she's reduced this to. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. God never even said that. I didn't say that if you touch it, you'll die. 
He just simply said, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. I think you could have learned to juggle with that fruit. I mean to tell you, I, I've learned to juggle a little bit. And let me tell you, you got to handle that. You got to handle those those balls or that that fruit a lot. That would have never done anything to them. Wouldn't have corrupted them. Wouldn't have killed them. Wouldn't, nothing would have happened. Now they wouldn't have been very wise to do that, putting it that close to their mouth or forcing themselves to touch that which is unclean in that regard. But the fact is, is that she again abandoned the pure word of God for a free flowing paraphrase. So Eve made a mistake. She made three mistakes, really, in quoting it. She left two things out altogether, and she put something else in which came to her own mind. She kind of created her own word. Have you ever done that? I have. No wonder she was easily deceived. And so Paul, he's afraid that this is going to indeed happen to the Corinthians as well. See, the Corinthians, they had a love of sophistication. They, they loved that kind of stuff. And he was concerned that they were going to water down the word of God, the kind of the word of God that it was given to them, had been handed to them. And as a result, they'd become an easy prey to the enemy. And so he was worried about that. See, it was the simplicity that is in Christ that they had to embrace. That's what they needed more than anything else. They need to understand the simplicity that's in Christ. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we're looking for things to be complicated in the word when really God's just saying, just obey my simple, clear word. Now again, he's going to go on to tell them they need to be very careful. Uh, they need to be careful that they're not deceived in any way, that they uh, aren't uh, led astray by clever arguments, that just because someone says they have a deeper understanding of the word, doesn't necessarily mean that they're to abandon what they've already learned. And just because someone has a, quote, self-proclaimed deeper understanding of the word doesn't mean they really have a deeper understanding of the word. And so many times people want us to believe somehow that, well, you're missing out in some way by simply believing and obeying the word of God. No, 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 no. You keep it simple. You'll be glad you did. So he goes on to say, but I fear lest by any means, as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. That word for subtlety means craftiness. It literally means doing everything. And that's exactly what Paul's enemies were doing. That's exactly what the enemy, Satan, was doing in order to corrupt the minds of the believers in Corinth. Anything and everything he could possibly think to do to undermine the authority of the Apostle Paul and to bring reproach on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was afraid that the minds of his converts would be corrupted. He was concerned that they would be seduced, spoiled, diverted from the simple but glorious truth of the gospel. And boy, I'll tell you what, the gospel's not complicated. It's very simple. So simple that there's continual debate on even how to be saved. Constantly. It's an amazing thing how the simple can be complicated. So Paul, he's going to enter the ring now with the adversary. He's going to fight for the faith. And he's going to continue to remind these Corinthians of the simplicity of the gospel. That they have to keep it simple. That they cannot allow themselves to somehow believe 
There's something they're missing. So we learn a few things from our passage. Some basic principles. Here's a basic principle we learn. Keep things simple and then do the simple well. Keep them simple and then do the simple well. See, you know, life is best served by keeping it simple and then doing the simple well. Not only are we safer that way, but we're also much more likely to be successful when we keep things simple and then do the simple well. That can be said of every area of your life, every area of my life. Whether it has to do with my Christian life, maybe my marriage, my family, my finances. It doesn't matter what area of your life, whether it's your ministry, your workplace, it doesn't matter. You and I do better by keeping things simple and then doing the simple well. So with this in mind, this year's theme is going to be do the simple well. Do the simple well. Boy, I'll tell you what, that's, that, it, I was at a conference here uh, a number of months ago with the staff, and we go away w- w- with the staff once a year, and we, we go to a conference, we get uh, fed spiritually. We enjoy that conference, have a lot of fun too. We hear a ton of preaching. One of the speakers that got up was the, was, was, uh, the head of the college. The, he also heads their music department and program there as well. Brother Hall is his name. Brother Hall got up and he shared with us some things about music and he was brutally honest and candid about music and he did a great job of expressing the need to remain on the old paths in that area. But he, he made a statement, he got talking about music and he said, and he just said this about, about some things and it stuck with me. He said about um, churches, he goes, sometimes churches, especially smaller churches and churches that struggle in their music programs. He goes, what I find so often is that they have a tendency to try to do the complicated. And he goes, and it sounds like it. He goes, they would be much better served to do the simple well. And that clicked with me. And I thought, wow, isn't that really what life is about? Do, I mean, why do we have to have, you know, 20 different fingers going if we can't play 20 different fingers? Why do we want to sound like somebody we can't sound like to begin with, so to speak? Let's just do the simple and do it well, and God will begin to give us the next step and the next step and grow in our abilities and so forth. But sometimes I think because of pride and because we want to somehow measure up to other people's expectations, we have a tendency sometimes to try to complicate things when in reality we ought to try to make everything simple and then do it well. Do the simple well. And so that's going to be our theme this year. Do the simple well. And so just real quickly, three considerations concerning our theme. First of all, we must do our best to make the complicated simple. And uh, that's important. And so in your own life, we're going to find as we move along this year, I'll share maybe a series on some things. I want to talk a little bit about about, uh, raising children, about marriage, and some things like that this year during the course of our Sunday mornings. And I want to talk about trying to make some things simple. I think we complicate matters, and we can make it simple. And if we do the simple well, we'll be amazed 
how much of a more of a blessing life can be to us and our mate can be even and our children and our families and our church and everything else. But we need to work hard to do our best to make the complicated simple. Number two, the simple always boils down to doing the basics or fundamentals well. Fundamentals. Everything always goes back to fundamentals every single time. Now, I grew up in a home where my dad was a Marine. And so he had been to basic training and some other training. And in the military, everything is, is kind of brought down to what they call SOP, Standard Operating Procedure. Uh, if there's going to be a, uh, an inspection of your footlocker, you've got a diagram of exactly where every piece ought to be placed, how it ought to be folded. You learn all of those things, how to make your bed and everything else. And boy, everything's made simple, and then you just need to do the simple well. And, and that's how I grew up. And so then I also got involved in some sports later on in my life. And what I found was that if I truly wanted to be successful in any area of sports, whether it was baseball, football, wrestling, uh, it didn't matter what it was. It, it just didn't matter what area it was. Fundamentals were the key to being successful. And basically, fundamentals make things simple. You know, you watch the pro football players and you say, man, that scheme that they're operating and using is extremely complicated. You have these big 320-pound guards and tackles or linemen running from here all the way to this side of the football field when they have guys over there. Why don't they just use them? Let me tell you, this seems extremely confusing and difficult unless you learn simple fundamentals. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter if you bring him from here to there or here to there or here to there. It's all the same fundamentals. You learn to block. You can block here at the line. You can block in the backfield. You can block out in the secondary. All I'm saying is fundamentals. Baseball, if you learn how to catch a ground ball properly, it doesn't matter whether it's in the outfield, the infield, at home plate, you can catch a ground ball. But you got to do it utilizing the fundamentals if you truly want to be successful. And that's the way it is in our finances. That's the way it is in our marriages. There are fundamentals that God outlines and gives to us that if we will implement those fundamentals and if we will do them well, we'll be amazed at the success that God will give us in our lives. Number three, sim simple doesn't always mean easy or effortless. <laughs> That's important to realize. Just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy or it's effortless. Uh, it's not, it, 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 listen, you learn the fundamentals of lifting weight and you learn to use your legs and your hips and not your back. It doesn't mean lifting a lot of weight is going to be easy, but at least you'll be doing it properly and you won't likely hurt yourself and you'll be able to lift more weight than you would if you don't do it properly. Do the simple well. Do the simple well. We got to do the simple well then. And I, I just pray that God will help us to do the simple well in 2019 because that's what we want to do. We want to boil everything down to being real simple. Our future's bright. And you say, how bright's our future? Well, the future's as bright as the promises of God. Boy, a, a fellow by the name, a missionary by the name of Carrie, he went to Burma and 
he took his family with him. I'll just read it right off there. He went to Burma and spent 17 months. Within 17 months after taking his wife, his new bride, and uh, he, he, he headed on out there to Burma. He was just 24 years old, and she was just 23. Less than 14 years later, after arriving there in Burma, he had lost his wife, he had lost all of his children. He eventually remarries, and he remarries twice. Well, in the course of his ministry, uh, they also pass away. And seven of the 13 children that are offspring of those relationships also does. And yet it would be in a Burmese jail that Carrie would utter those famous words. I mean, in a jail, mind you. Incarcerated, locked up for serving Jesus Christ. When most people would have shook their fist at God for taking so much away. Carrie in a jail cell makes that statement. The future is as bright as the promises of God. Well, I'll tell you what, our future is bright here because we have some pretty powerful promises. In Matthew 28, 20, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I don't think there's any better promise than that right there that he is with us always. And boy, this year we need him with us as a church, as a church family. And if we're going to do the simple well, if we're going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish, we must remember he is with us always. So what's next? Well, first of all, we want to complete that renovation upstairs early on this year. There are some ceilings, floors, and doors to put in. That we expect to get done relatively soon. We're going to be working at that. We pray that that'll be early on this year. Uh, We got held up a little bit because of a few uh, things, but those things have all been uh, remedied, it appears, at this point. We should be raring to go here starting in the 15th of this month. We're going to start moving forward on some things. And so we're hoping and praying that we can get this thing done early on this year. Then after that, we want to try to finish the downstairs later on in the year. Get the downstairs. We have the upstairs and we have the downstairs. We want to get that accomplished and that done too. Now, all of these things need to be done for reasons. And some of the reasons are, well, some of the things we want to accomplish in 2019. Well, we'd like to move our buses again from the afternoon to the mornings. And that's something we're going to do once we, uh, I think we can swing that even just with the upstairs completed. And so we're going to work at doing that. We're going to try to pull our buses and our workers off the afternoon route so to speak, and we're going to put them right in with the Sunday mornings. And we're not going to mix the bus ministry with the church. Don't, don't, don't be too alarmed, folks. It'll be okay. But uh, we are going to continue to, uh, we're going to try to bring them in simultaneously. So while we're having service, uh, our Sunday schools, in a sense, they'll be either having junior churches or Sunday schools at the same time. While we're having services here, they'll be having services there, more than likely junior churches. And so we want to try to accomplish that. We want to get that done so that we can kind of get away from the afternoon work a little bit and allow, uh, maybe give our folks a little bit of a break in the afternoon, even if it's only for a couple of hours. I think it would be helpful after uh, these numbers of years. Um, Then we want to break down our adult classes some this year. Um, We want to expand our singles ministries. I'd like to have singles ministries all the way up to the age of 60. And uh, what I'm finding is, is that when you start looking at uh, the, the cards that we receive, uh, visitor cards, so many of them, not so much the last year, 
But before that, at one point, over 70% of our visitor cards were singles. But they weren't singles that belong in a class like I teach. They were just singles. Okay, they had been married in the past. They're now divorced and they're single. Uh, or they've never been married, one of the two. But the fact is, is that there were a number of people that were living life on their own, either with children, without children, but there's a lot of singles out there. And I would like to be able to put some classes in place to meet those needs. We may not be able to go all the way to 60 immediately. We'd like to do these things in stages, but I would love to see us have more singles classes for those who have those special, that's a, a unique need, by the way. There is no, no person, I mean, that, you know, the biggest problem we have in the singles and the teens is relationships. And unfortunately, it's, it's moved and migrated to adults now because everybody, nobody, I should say, wants to be alone anymore. Nobody does. No, you don't want to be. And so it's a very lonely time. And so many times there are special needs, unique needs that have to be filled and met. And there's a fellowship and there's a camaraderie and a bond, I think, that needs to be brought about. Friendships that need to be uh, incorporated and included. And I'd love to see us have some expanded singles ministries. And that's something I'd like to see happen this year. I'd also like to see our, uh, we'd like to add some adult classes, couple classes as well. Now, again, not all of this was going to happen immediately. That's not going to happen. We need to finish the upstairs. We need to get the downstairs completed. We need to start getting our buses over in the afternoons instead of the, uh, into the mornings instead of the afternoons and then begin to expand our singles ministry and begin to expand uh, some of our classes and break down, I should say, some of our classes. That's really what I'd like to see happen this year. I, I really anticipate with that breakdown of some of those classes, I believe that we will see growth in areas of our ministry because of it. And, and I, I believe that as a whole, the church is doing a wonderful job of inviting people and going out and reaching out to people. But I do believe it's important that we provide the kind of classes and structure that will encourage people to plug in, get involved, and stick and stay. And I do believe that there's such a great need, as I said, in the singles ministries, as well as breaking down the couples classes also. So those are some of the things I'd like to see happen. I guess that's where I'm really focusing attention there. Um, obviously, uh, there are other things that, you know, are just moving along, but we need to do everything on our calendar very, very well. We just need to do it well. We've got we to do the simple well. We've got to make things simple this year as much as we can. Complicated things don't really, they don't, they don't accomplish much. That's why the Bible says God's not the author of confusion. He wants things simple too. And we see the simplicity of the gospel here being spoken of and the need to remember the clear, pure, clean word of the, the words of the Bible. And let's not get away from the simplicity of this book and its truths. It is very simple. We just need to do it well. And that's what we want to try to do this year. So there's no limit to what God can do with us as a church as long as we do the simple well. And in 2019, that's exactly what we want to do. Our theme song this year, and unfortunately, our choir is not going to come back up and sing it. I, it was too much of a, we, we discussed it and we thought, we better just unveil that. Um, when are we doing that? I remember, oh, Wednesday we're unveiling the new theme. Okay, well, that's a, I don't know if I want to unveil it on Wednesday. I mean, okay, you guys all have to be here, okay? All right, so sometimes the choir's a little low on Wednesdays because of certain situations and a lot of illness lately, but we had a good group this last Wednesday, but it just sometimes it seems like a lot of, I don't know, the devil likes to get everybody sick in the middle of the week. But anyway, um, 
serving the Savior with all your might, living for Jesus with heaven in sight, one life to live, I'll give it to him, simply obeying his will. The gospel's been given for Christians to tell there's a whole world lost going to hell. This race we run until it's done, just do the simple well. Just do the simple well. Do the simple well. And you'll get a chance to hear that, obviously, Wednesday night. So, do the simple well. That's what we want to accomplish. I wonder today, when it comes to that, the word of God, I mean, the Corinthians, Paul the Apostle was concerned that that they would be ultimately corrupted, that somehow they would get the idea that, well, this is just too simple. And honestly, it's been one of those things. One of the big things a number of years ago was deeper living. Christianity at a deeper level. That we're just too simple-minded. We got to do a little more digging. And I, listen, I get it. We ought to be studying the Word of God consistently. But you know, it's an amazing thing to me when we're digging so deep that we forget to do the things that are right on the surface. Now listen, there's something wrong when we bypass those basic fundamentals and we move to deeper things. There's something wrong with that. And I just want to encourage you, I wonder in your own life, are there basic fundamentals of the Christian life that you've let slip? Everybody in the room, if I said, what do you need to be doing as a Christian? You go, read my Bible, pray, study the word, memorize scripture. Everybody in the room would say that. We'd all, we could all parrot that back. My question is, how are you doing with it? Are you doing, it, it's not hard. None of those things are hard in that sense. They're very simple. Pray, that's simple, I know what that means. Read. Oh, I know what that is. Study. Oh, let me skip to that passage. And that can be somewhat weary and tiresome. But it's still real simple. Memorize scripture. Oh, I know what that is. Over and over and over. Simple, though. Let me ask you, how well are you doing the simple in your own Christian walk in life? How well are you doing the simple tonight? And you know, there's nothing more simple. If you're here tonight without Jesus Christ, there's nothing more simple than the gospel that the apostle Paul was defending. The Judaizers were trying to complicate the gospel. They were trying to add works to it. They were trying to say that a person has to also keep the law and trust and receive and and believe on the Lord Jesus. And he said, no, it's all faith in Christ. It's not what we do. It's what he's already done. And let me tell you, there's nothing simpler than being saved tonight. Just simply calling on the Lord, understanding you're a sinner in need of a Savior. If you've never trusted Christ, it's simple to trust Him. It's simple to be saved. It's simple to secure a home in heaven by faith in Christ Jesus and Him alone. When we start our altar call, we call it an altar call, invitation, if you will. You just slip out of your seat, come forward, and one of the fellows in front will help you out. They'll point you to someone that can take the Bible and show you some things, biblical truths, promises that can make what seems complicated in your mind because the adversary is trying to get you to think it's complicated and make it real simple to you because of the simplicity of the gospel. For the believer, let's make it simple and then do the simple well. Father, we come to you.
We thank you again for this time we've had together, for the simple thoughts and, Lord, just for the, the vision that we have, Lord, to try to better equip the church to help people. May you give us wisdom as we go forward. May we never lose sight of the simplicity of the gospel. May we never lose sight of how important it is to just simply believe and trust in your word as it is given to us. That we, we just need to simply believe what you say and do what you say. To not simply be a hearer but a doer. And Father, we'll thank you. Now help us as a church. So much that needs to be done in our Sunday schools, our bus ministry, in our buildings. May you help us to accomplish it. May we not make it complicated, but keep it simple and then do the simple well. Father, tonight, if there be any that are lost, may they come to you. For the believer, may we, Father, once again rekindle that flame. May we confess that we have failed to do the simple well and then commit to doing it in 2019. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand.